Well, again, welcome to worship. We're so glad that you are here, whether you're here in the room or whether you're watching this on video. You know, as I think back through my life, some of my moments of greatest faith and greatest doubt have been in pretty much the same setting. Some of the moments of my greatest faith were at the birth of my children. I have a son and a daughter, and I can remember back vividly as my wife gave birth, and I got to hold them for the first time and to just look at the miracle that they were, you know, how complex and just amazing and tiny these little children were. And in that moment, you know, you couldn't help but, but praise God and give him thanks for just how great and powerful and creative he is. I also remember just kind of the heavy responsibility I felt. You know, like now we have to keep this little person alive. And I remember driving home from the hospital like 12 miles an hour with the hazard lights on. Like, don't come anywhere near us. You know, and people have those little uh, suction cup signs that say baby on board. Realized I didn't have one, so I'm hanging out the window just yelling at people to stay away. But it was a moment of great faith where I could just see God doing a miracle in our life, in our children. But you know, it was in pretty much the same setting that I've had some of my greatest doubts. I remember very vividly, early in my ministry, I was called to Hudson Hospital in Wisconsin and I was to go in and visit a couple that I had done their wedding about a year before. And they were expecting their first child, and they were so excited. But I was called into the hospital because as they gave birth to their daughter, she was born stillborn. And as I walked into the hospital room, it was full of family and friends. And you can imagine how many tears and just the incredible weight and the incredible sorrow that there was. And what I remember is all the questions that people were asking again and again. They were saying, how could God allow this to happen? You know, if God is a good God, why would he let this happen? And they were asking, where is God in this moment? And it was in that moment of tragedy and others like it that I definitely had to deal with some heavy doubts. Have you ever felt that before? Moments of great faith and other times moments of great doubt. I think it's only natural that we experience those things as we go through the roller coaster of life. You know, we experience mountaintop experiences. You know, maybe you were at a Bible camp as a teenager. Maybe you went on a mission trip. Maybe it's the birth of your own children Maybe it was another just miraculous event in your life and you felt like your faith was sky high. You'd never been closer to God. But then maybe too, you faced some tragedies in your life, some pain and struggles. Maybe it's the death of someone who's close to you. Maybe a diagnosis that you received or a loved one received. Maybe another tragedy that came up. And in that moment, you found yourself questioning everything. Found yourself with a lot of uncertainty and a lot of doubt. Can you think of those times in your life? Can you relate to those situations? Times of faith and times of doubt. Now, I think one thing that we often struggle with 
is how to express the doubts that we have. You know, I think a lot of times we wonder, what are people going to think about us if we actually express the questions that are on our mind and on our heart? What would people think of us if we actually expressed the doubts that we have? You know, if other Christians heard that, would they doubt that we are even a believer? Would we even be welcome at the church? You know, what would people think about where I'm at in my faith journey if I would share everything that's going on inside? Or how about what does God think? You know, would it just be a big disappointment to God if I were to actually share all the questions and all the doubts that I have with him? And I think sometimes we just beat ourselves up. We think, you know, I just feel guilty and I feel ashamed and I don't want to tell anyone about it. And too often we feel like our faith has to be rock solid at all times. You know, that we can't waver at all. We can't let anyone know what we might be struggling with. And it especially becomes harmful when sometimes we tend to think, maybe the reason that I'm facing hardships in my life, maybe the reason that there's a tragedy that's occurred, maybe the reason that I'm struggling today is simply because I don't have enough faith. Maybe it's because of those doubts that these things are happening, kind of like it's divine payback from God. Well, in this series that we're kicking off today, we want to help change that kind of thinking. And we want to help you see that faith is not the opposite of doubt. Doubts are not the end of faith. But instead, when we're able to express our doubts and our questions and our uncertainty, they can actually be a key part in helping us build up and grow our faith. Well, John the Baptist, one of the key figures in the beginning of the Gospels, found himself in prison. He's at the end of his life. He's on death row. John the Baptist, this pivotal figure, and he has a bunch of questions and doubts and uncertainty. And so I want to read this gospel reading with you. John's disciples told him about all these things. Calling two of them, he sent them to, to the Lord to ask, are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? When the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to you to ask, are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases sicknesses, and evil spirits, and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Now remember what John's role was as Jesus' ministry started. Remember, John had a mission, and it was to prepare the way of the Lord. John was the first one to point out to the crowds when Jesus came on the scene who he was. 
John was baptizing people in the river and he saw Jesus walking on the banks of the river and he stopped everything and he pointed him out and he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. John is the one who baptized Jesus as he began his ministry and John stayed focused on his role in this grand narrative. He's the one who is to prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah. But now he finds himself in King Herod's prison and he's on death row and all of these doubts and fears and questions are popping up in his mind. He's thinking, could I have been wrong about everything? He's thinking, could it be possible that I led thousands of people astray? You know, Israel had a long history of false prophets. And John is thinking, could I have been a false prophet? Maybe I didn't read the signs clearly enough. Is this Jesus really who I think he is? But even with all of his doubts and his questions, he still knew where he needed to turn. He knew that he needed to hear it from Jesus again. Even with all of these questions, he still had enough trust to reach out to Jesus directly. So he sent these two friends to go ask Jesus, are you the one who is supposed to have come? Are you actually the Messiah? Or should we keep waiting? Is someone else going to come after you? Now, I think it's so important for us to see how Jesus responded to see what he did do and what he didn't do. I think we noticed right away that Jesus didn't criticize John's faith. Jesus didn't shame him. He didn't get angry. He wasn't disappointed. He wasn't frustrated with him. Instead, Jesus was patient and he was kind and he was forgiving and he was understanding. Now, Jesus chose his words so carefully. In fact, what he says in response is a direct quote from the prophet Isaiah. 700 years before, Isaiah had prophesied about the coming of the Messiah. And Jesus knew that if he would share those words, that John would understand, that John would be comforted and would have peace. Jesus chose these words on purpose, for John's sake. And you see, what that shows us is like he always did, Jesus prioritized their relationship. Jesus always prioritized relationships. That was his highest value. We see again and again in the Gospels that Jesus is willing to meet people where they are at, Instead of just going and shaming and guilting and chastising people, Jesus meets people in their doubts, in their questions, in their struggles. And to do that, what Jesus always does is he accommodates to where we're at. He accommodates to our capacity. He doesn't expect us to always have the answers. He doesn't expect us to have everything figured out. Remember, the Bible tells us his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He doesn't expect us 
to have it all figured out. We are never going to understand or fully comprehend all the things of God. And so Jesus graciously meets us where we're at. And then he helps us to grow from that point. Now, I think when we approach doubt and questions in uncertainty in a healthy way, they can actually be a benefit to us. They can actually help us on our faith journey. For instance, doubt is actually what makes faith possible in the first place. I heard a speaker one time get up in front of a group and he said, I believe I can destroy your faith in just a couple seconds. And everybody was kind of thinking, how in the world are you gonna do that? And he said, let me show you. So he said, in my hand, in this fist, I have a $20 bill. Do you believe me? And everybody nodded their heads. He said, who believes me? And everybody raised their hands. He opened up his hand and there was the $20 bill and he said, I just destroyed your faith. Because now you don't have to have faith. You actually know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I have that $20 bill. You see, if you have absolute certainty, you have no need for faith at all. In order to have faith, there has to be questions. There has to be uncertainty. Now, doubt also can bring humility. Most of us would not handle absolute certainty very well, I don't think. You know, oftentimes it's the people who claim to have everything figured out, who claim to have all the answers that do great harm to the kingdom of God. Because it often causes people to become very judgmental and very legalistic and to invent different litmus tests on who's in and who's out. As followers of Jesus, we're told many times to be humble in our approach to others. That humility should be a high value. Because humility helps us remember that we aren't God. That we shouldn't try to take his place. Humility is so important as we walk out our faith. You might remember the story of Job in the Old Testament. Job struggled with all sorts of doubts and questions as he faced all sorts of awful things in his life. And as he was trying to process these doubts and questions, he had these friends who came. And these friends were certain. And these friends thought they had it figured out. And these friends were certainly not humble at all. Well, at the end of his story, God sides with Job, who still has doubts and questions, yet is also humble. It's our doubts that can help us stay humble our doubts also can help us learn and grow. When we acknowledge that we don't know everything, well, it can cause us to pursue more. When we choose to not just stuff our doubts away and pretend they don't exist, well, it can open us up to dig in, to learn more, to grow more. We say around here, following Jesus is a growing experience. Following Jesus isn't just a checklist it's not just a one-time deal. Faith comes through experience. It comes through growth. It comes through revelation. And so in many ways, doubts can be helpful as we seek to follow God. 
But the problem is, if we're not careful, our doubt can go bad. Doubt can cause us to become skeptical. Skeptics are more concerned about appearing right than ever taking a leap of faith. One of my favorite Christian authors, John Ortberg, tells a story about something that happened during the French Revolution. There were three men who were about to be executed, and they were lined up, and one by one they were to be brought up to the guillotine, but they always got to say a last word. So the first was a priest, and he was brought up, and they said, do you have any last words? And he said, yes, I believe that God will save my life. And then as they dropped the blade, it dropped and then stopped two inches before his neck. And he said, praise God, I'm saved. And they let him go. Well, the second man to be executed was another priest. And they said, do you have any last words? And this man said, I believe God will save my life. They dropped the blade. And again, it stopped two inches short of his neck. And he said, praise God, he saved my life. And they let him go free. The third man came up and He was a skeptic. He was an atheist. He wanted nothing to do with believers. And they said, do you have any last words? And he said, well, if you look up there, you'll see something stuck in the gears. (laughs) Skeptics are unwilling to risk trusting or putting their faith in something greater. Doubt can also cause us to become cynical. It's easier sometimes to just paint everything in a negative light than to open yourself up to the possibility of hope. Cynics refuse to keep searching and instead just choose to believe the worst about everything. Cynics use their doubts, their uncertainty, to confirm the worst case scenario at all times. Well, doubt can also lead to unbelief. It's when you stop pressing in, stop pursuing answers, and just choose to be closed off. Decide the possibility of faith is not even there at all. You see, it's unbelief that's actually the opposite of faith, not doubt. The opposite of faith is unbelief. Now, it's how you choose to respond to doubt that makes all the difference. Because you can choose to lean in, to dig in more, or you can choose to retreat and to stop altogether. You can choose to try to cover it up, or you can find ways to process it and to express it. You can use it to help you learn and grow, or you can use it to close close yourself off to faith altogether. But what's most toxic to our faith is unexpressed doubt. You see, when we're willing to lean in to process it, to express it, doubt can help build up our faith. When we're willing to be honest about it, honest to God and honest to others, well, then we're creating space for God to move, for God to show up and to help grow us up. See, I think we all need a safe space where we can share our doubts and our questions and our uncertainty. It's why here at Calvary, we believe so deeply in the power of small groups. Why we want to see a movement of people getting out of rows and into circles. Because small groups are a place where you can share your questions and your doubts 
and your struggles with others. You see, small groups aren't supposed to be a place where it just has all the answers or where everything is easy. Small groups are a place where we can be vulnerable and we can share what's going on in our lives. When you're willing to be honest about your doubt, when you're willing to express it to others, well, then it creates that space that God can use to help us grow like never before. There's another story in the Gospels, the Gospel of Mark chapter nine. One day a man brought his son to be healed, but the disciples weren't able to help. And so they brought the son to Jesus and the father was honest and he was sincere and he expressed both hope and doubt and trust and fear. This is what it says starting in verse 20. They brought the boy to him and when the spirit saw him immediately, It convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground, and he rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into the fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can. All things are possible for one who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe. Help my unbelief. I believe. Help my unbelief. I think that might be one of the most honest statements that's ever been spoken. He's saying, Jesus, I believe, but I'm still struggling. Jesus, I trust you, but I still have questions. You see, there is a gap between his faith and his doubts, but he asks Jesus to fill in the gap. Instead of letting doubt overpower his faith, instead of letting hopelessness and despair win out, he simply turns to Jesus with honesty and sincerity. And what does Jesus do? Just like in our first reading, he preserves their relationship. He meets this man where he's at. He understands his doubts and his questions. And Jesus fills in the gap. With his power and his authority, he heals the little boy. Maybe your most honest prayer today is Jesus, I believe, but help my unbelief. Maybe you too have a gap between your faith and your doubts. Maybe you're in a season of struggle and questions. Don't let the gap have the last word. Don't hide away your questions and doubts and just pretend they're not there. Instead, invite Jesus right into the middle. See, doubts and questions and uncertainty are just a natural part of living in our broken world. There's gonna be some questions that we won't know the answer to until we get to ask God in person in heaven one day. Don't let your doubts and questions hold you back from a dynamic living relationship with Jesus today. 
Because, you know, if you wait for every one of your questions and doubts to be answered, you will never, ever take a step of faith. Think about it this way. You can study every single aspect of high diving. You can read books. You can watch every YouTube video. You can go out and you can interview Olympic champion high divers and high school champion high divers. And you can go and measure everything. And you can take the wind speed and you can measure the water temperature. But until you actually climb up the ladder and walk to the end of the board and dive, you'll never truly understand what high diving is all about. Or much in the same way, think about marriage. If you wait for every single doubt and question to be removed, you're probably never gonna buy the ring, you're never gonna pop the question, and you're never gonna say the vows. I mean, of course, you're in love with your potential spouse and you wanna believe the best, but you also think about, well, 50% of marriages in America end in divorce and there's all sorts of questions and uncertainty about the future. If we have to wait for 100% certainty, no one would ever get married. No, marriage is about a relationship and it has to be lived out day to day. You're never gonna truly understand what God has in store until you take a leap of faith, until you jump in, even amidst the doubts and the questions that you might have. So in much the same way, you can investigate Christianity for a lifetime. You can try to get rid of every single doubt you have but until you dive in, until you take a leap of faith, you'll never truly understand what it's all about. Don't let your doubts and questions hold you back from a living relationship with Jesus. He welcomes every one of your questions, every one of your doubts. He can handle all of them and more. And he always focuses on the relationship first. He'll meet you where you're at. You know, as a church, I think we have to be so careful that we continue to be a place where people can bring their questions, their doubts, and their uncertainty. It's so important for our youth. We need to be open to all of their questions and struggles without just giving them a soundbite answer that dismisses their deep concern or their experiences. But it's equally important for those of us who are adults because we have just as many questions and just as many doubts. You know, at Calvary, we wanna be a place where you can belong before you even believe. A place where you don't have to check your brain at the door. You don't have to pretend like you have it all figured out. Maybe the most honest thing you can say tonight is, God, I believe, but help my unbelief. Maybe you're in a season, right in the middle of a season of struggle and pain, and you need to reach out to Jesus tonight, just like John did. You know, maybe you once had a strong faith, but it feels like it's been beaten down. Maybe you feel like God is something new for you tonight, but you're afraid to move. 
Maybe you're just here because somebody promised you dinner or brunch or any type of food. Maybe you don't even know why you're here. Maybe you consider yourself an agnostic or an atheist or a skeptic. But maybe God is also speaking something into your heart. Maybe you feel ready tonight to say, I believe, but help my unbelief. No matter where you're at, no matter what your questions or doubts are, no matter what your story is, I want to invite you to pray with me right now. God, we come before you with all of who we are, with all of our doubts, all of our fears, all of our failures. We ask for your Holy Spirit to come and to fill us up, to speak to us. God, remind us of your everlasting love and grace. Remind us how you love to meet us right where we're at. God, fill in the gap between our faith and our doubts. Now, if you haven't asked Jesus into your life, if you've never stopped to say, I believe, or if you want to recommit your life to Jesus today, please join me in this prayer. You can just pray it in your heart. God, I believe, but help my unbelief. Jesus, I invite you into my life. I need your help. I confess that I fall short in so many ways and I need your forgiveness. I believe that you paid for all my sins by dying on the cross. Forgive me and fill me with your love and grace. I want you to be my Savior and Lord. I still have doubts and questions and fears, so I ask you to walk with me. Help me to feel your presence. Help me to remember your promises. Help me to grow in my relationship with you and surround me with your love and your protection. I ask this in your powerful name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with me tonight for the first time or to recommit your life, we celebrate with you. We believe there's a party in heaven. And what we would love for you to do is to connect with us. You can text, I believe, no space, to 94090. Or inside your bulletin, there's a response card. Or you can check a box. But we have some resources that we would love to give you and we would love to walk with you through your faith journey. I'm gonna invite you to stand as we sing our